on the, what we call the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus, and uh, went through First um, Timothy in a good bit of detail. Uh, took about uh, 24 sermons to get through in the six chapters in First Timothy. <coughs> and um, this morning we're going to begin in Second Timothy. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to probably do a little more skipping around because of a lot of repetition. Uh, I've kind of outlined uh, looking ahead, and I think we'll, we'll cover Second Timothy about 10 weeks, 10 sermons. Uh, so uh, that's kind of where we're headed. We're going to be in verses 1 through 7. Before I begin, where's Doug? Pastor. Well, let me get somebody else. Uh, you have a baby in your arms. That's a good thing. I, I think I'm going to need a glass of water before I get through, Greg. Would you give me a cup of water? Uh, if you'll uh, uh, turn with me to Second Timothy chapter 1. Uh, verses 1 through 7. And as we read, let's remember this is the Word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which, is first, dwelt, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. That is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, uh, your precious word. And it is that to us because we know that it is life, it is hope, it is strength, it is peace, it is joy. And it is all that because it points us to Christ. And I pray this morning as we deal with this rather personal passage in your word that we would see that you're a personal God. And you bring us into personal relationships with each other. And that saving faith is a personal faith. And I pray that you would use our text this morning to instruct us and to teach us, to mold us, to shape us, and point us to Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. This is, as I mentioned earlier, the second letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. probably a period of three to four years between the writing of these two uh, letters and Paul's situation had changed dramatically uh, from the time he wrote 1st Timothy to the time he wrote 2nd Timothy. Uh, After Paul was uh, released from his first imprisonment in Rome, remember he went back and he visited some of the places that he had ministered previously. That's when he went to Ephesus where Timothy was serving as a pastor and spent time with Timothy encouraging him and then he left there and went to Macedonia. And it was from Macedonia that he wrote First Timothy, the first letter to Timothy. And in that letter, there's a lot of pastoral advice. We saw that. You know, we, first Timothy was all about how to do church. And Paul was 
giving Timothy further instructions about how to conduct his ministry. And he was looking forward to coming back to uh, spend time with Timothy again and uh, to continue to minister with him. Um, but then Paul was rearrested during the persecution of Nero, taken back to Rome. During his first imprisonment, he was under what we call house arrest. That is, he had a good bit of freedom. He, even though he was guarded 24-7, he still could have visitors. He could continue to study. He could continue to teach. He was able to share the gospel. But during his second imprisonment, it was much different. He was uh, held in a dank, dark cell. Many of his companions had abandoned him and left. We'll come to that at the end of 2 Timothy where Paul describes the personal pain of being left alone. He's lonely. He has uh, been through a trial apparently and is awaiting uh, the sentencing and he anticipates that sentence to be execution. And so Paul knows that uh, his days on this earth are limited and he's writing this letter uh, to Timothy. And there's a lot of emotion in it. There's a lot of uh, ethos in it, a lot of feeling in it. Uh, it's almost as though Paul is writing his, his last will and testament, turning over his ministry uh, to this young minister, uh, Timothy. Um, so there's a good bit of personal reflection in Second Timothy. And we see that, really, as we look at this passage, which opens uh, this book, the first seven uh, verses. Uh, because here, as Paul reflects, really, and that's what he's doing, he's reflecting on his relationship with Timothy. He notes three spiritual influences that are important in all of our lives. Now, many of us can think of many different things that have influenced our lives spiritually. But here, as Paul reflects upon his own personal relationship with Timothy... He identifies three specific ones. And that's what I want us to look at this morning as we come to this text. I want us to ask the question, what are those three spiritual influences which Paul tends to identify here as he reflects upon his relationship with Timothy? And the first influence he mentions is friends. Friends. God uses our friends to influence our lives for good. That's why it's so important, isn't it? Who we choose as our friends, who we choose to spend time with, who we choose to associate with. The Bible says bad company corrupts good morals, and you know the flip side is just as true. Good company reinforces good morals. And I come at it from this way because the Apostle Paul was a very good friend. To Timothy. They had a very, very close relationship. In fact, back, back in uh, uh, chapter 1, if you remember in verse 2, uh, when he was writing uh, 1 Timothy, he said, To Timothy, my true child in the faith. Here in uh, verse 2 of our text, he says, To Timothy, my beloved son. I had a special close relationship in the gospel they were close friends uh, Timothy was a trusted friend if you look over into Philippians chapter 2 where Paul was writing uh, to the church in Philippi and he was about to send Timothy there and uh, 
you look at verse 19 of chapter 2 of Philippians, he says this, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else, talking about Timothy there, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel, like a child serving his father. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we find a very similar thing. (coughs) 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7. Excuse me, verse 17. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he'll remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. See, Timothy was clearly Paul's protege. He was his son in the faith, his spiritual son, a true reflection of Paul's pastoral heart. They had a very close relationship They were very close friends. And in that relationship, the Apostle Paul had a very significant influence, spiritual influence, over his friend, Timothy. And I want you to look with me just for a few seconds about how Paul describes that influence in verses 3 and 4. And he mentions three specific things about his relationship with Timothy as his friend. One is he expresses appreciation for his friend Timothy. He opens verse 3 by saying, I thank God. Well, what is he thanking God for? He's thanking God for Timothy. What he says is, I thank God, and there's a parenthetical section in there, whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. If you take that out, what he says is, I thank God as I constantly remember you. Paul says to Timothy, when I think of you, when I remember you, when I think of how we were able to minister the gospel together and spend time together and how we were used by God together, when I think of you and what you mean to me, my heart is filled with gratitude. I am thankful for you. And I thank God for you. But I want you to notice that Paul did not just think it. He said it. He didn't just think about his thankfulness for Timothy. He told Timothy he was thankful for him. Now can't you imagine, can't you imagine what an encouragement that would have been to this young pastor, Timothy? To have his friend, who, by the way, is the Apostle Paul, to write him a letter and say, I just want you to know that I thank God for you. I am thankful for you and what you mean to me and for your life and the way God is using you. Paul had made a habit of doing that, didn't he? You know, you could almost go to every letter Paul wrote and there's some expression of thanksgiving of appreciation for the people in that church to which he was writing. 
And what a, what a positive influence, folks, that our, our sense of gratitude for each other can have in our lives. You know, it really encourages me when people express appreciation for me, when they say thank you, when they tell me that they appreciate something I've done or something I've said, they tell me they're thankful for me. You know, I'm in a, a unique place because I get a lot of that. You know, people kind of do it just by matter of course. But sometimes those are really meaningful expressions of appreciation. And, and they are very significant in our lives, aren't they? They, they encourage us. When, when Carol and I were uh, gone, uh, this is week before last now, I was out walking one morning. I don't usually take my phone with me when I walk, but I was expecting a communication or something, I guess, that, that day, and I had my phone with me. And while I was walking, the phone rang, and I uh, didn't recognize the number. But it was, uh, it was a ruling elder from another church in our presbytery. And he called me and said, Look, I just wanted you to know I appreciate you. We went and worked together in, on committees, and you know I preached at Presbyterian the, the, that week before I left. He, he just called me on the phone and said, "Look, I just want you to know I appreciate you." You know what an encouragement that was to me. And I say that this morning because we need to be about the business of encouraging each other through expressing our appreciation, our thanksgiving for each other. We tend to take people for granted, don't we? You know. You ought to come to John McCann and say, thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do with our choir and the investment time, the use of your gifts. And, and he's not here today. You can thank Diane today. But you ought to thank Todd Benton for using his gifts uh, to play the piano. And, and you ought to thank Rhonda Moore. If you're at that meeting tonight, you ought to thank Rhonda. Say, I, I appreciate you being willing to to, to Direct our vacation Bible school again this year. You know, you ought to thank Jim Coleman back here, who for the last several times has, has prepared our meals for our, our fellowship meals together. You know, we just ought to be thanking it. Go to people and say, look, I thank God for you. Thank you for what you do ministering in the body of Christ here at North Point. That's a real spiritual influence in our lives. But the other thing Paul says he does, did in regard to his friendship with Timothy is he prayed for him. I thank God as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. You know, in another letter Paul said pray without ceasing. Here he's showing us that he, he practiced what he preached. What he's saying is, every time, Timothy, every time you come to my mind, I pray for you. I'm praying for you night, and I'm praying for you at day. And he, again, he didn't just pray for him, but he told, he told Timothy that he was. Doesn't it encourage you? Doesn't it encourage you to know that people are praying for you? And I know that you pray for each other. You know, on the scale of uh, 1 to 10, I think, you know, North Point's up on the upper, upper echelon of the scale in terms of our praying for each other. But, but it really encourages us 
encourages each other for you to say, you know, I want you to know I'm praying for you. You know, I, I tell you that the elders pray for you. I pray for you. You know, we send to the prayer list. And you pray for each other. It sure is encouraging. You go to somebody and say, you know, I'm praying for that. You know, go to Gail and say, we're praying, praying for you in your transition. Go to these new graduates and say, you know, I'm praying for you. That's a big step. I'm praying for you. Uh, call up the Johnsons. Send them an email. Say, yeah, we're praying for KK. Holding her before the throne of grace. That's encouragement to us as friends in Christ. That's a, a real spiritual influence that we can have uh, together. And then another thing he did to encourage his friend Timothy is to show affection for him. Verse 4. He said, I'm longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. What a tender and sincere expression of affection. He says, I'm longing to see you. I remember your tears that you shed for me, and I want to see you, because when you come to see me, I will be filled with joy. And what a, what a source of encouragement that it would have been to Timothy, to know that the Apostle Paul wanted to see him and to spend time with him. That Paul generally cared for him. Uh, that would have been a great encouragement to Timothy. Again, I've been around talking to other preachers about churches. You know, what can, what can be said in a lot of churches is what we need around here is a little more affection. Now I want to commend you for just a moment. Because I think you do a pretty good job of that. I think most people that hang around here very long would say, you know, they, they, feel, they feel cared for. And they feel loved on. They feel their people are interested in them. People that care about them. Uh, you sense that people are interested in you, concerned about you, want to help you. And folks, that's what the body of Christ is about. Um, it's one area of my own ministry that I've tried to do well over the years because it's the one area of my ministry you see over which I have some control I've told you before I've never I've never seen myself as a strong preacher I hate to listen to myself on tape I, I'm not I'm not a great visionary years ago years ago I had a pulpit search committee, a pastor search committee come uh, visit with me. And we sat in my living room with my, Carol and I sat with them. And they asked me a question. They said, do you see the plan or do you work the plan? That was a great question. That was a great question. I said, well, if somebody else sees the plan, I can work it. I didn't get that job, by the way. <laughs> I'm not a visionary. I'm not a great theological thinker or scholar. I know that. And those are the kinds of things I really can't change. It's kind of who I am. But one thing I can do is love people and care for people. 
and show affection to people. And if there's one thing that you can say about me as your friend and your pastor, I hope it would be he cares about me. He's interested in me. He has some affection for me. And and that's the way it ought to be among us. You know, we ought to be showing affection for each other. We ought ought to feel cared for. Uh, I'll say it. Some of the family said this this morning that the Hornets felt felt loved on. Did you feel loved on this week? I think the Bradens, Gavin told me the same thing this week. It's been nice to have people love on us this week. But that's what the body of Christ is about. That's a spiritual encouragement, isn't it? It's a spiritual encouragement, isn't it? To know that the body of Christ loves you and has affection for you. I long to see you, Paul says. It gives me joy when you are in my presence. I remember the times we had together, even when we were weeping together. And I remember it fondly. And so, you see, we're friends here. We're, we're mutual members of the body of Christ. But we are friends together in Christ, aren't we? And, and you can't underestimate the spiritual influence you can have in the life of another friend in the church. As you express appreciation for them, as you pray for them, and as you show affection. Now, I spent longer on that than I intended to, but there is a second influence which Paul mentions here. And the second influence that he mentions is the family. The first is friends. The second is family. And we can't underestimate the, the value of the influence, spiritual influence of families in our lives and how they have influence over us spiritually, both positively and negatively. Now, especially for those of us from the covenantal perspective, the influence of the family is extremely important. What did, what did Peter say in Acts 2? The promise is to you and to your children. Parents are responsible to pass on the promise to their children. To share the good news with their children. To tell the simple gospel message to their children. And what is that gospel message? You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now Timothy's family had a major influence in his life. He was from a mixed family. His mother was a Jewish woman who had become a believer. His father was a Greek and was unconverted. His grandmother also was a believer. And those two women, his mother Eunice, his grandmother Lois, were very influential in Timothy coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Look at what he says here in verse 5. Paul acknowledges that Timothy had a sincere faith. I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. Timothy's faith was clear. It was obvious. It was evident. 
And it, it, the reality of his faith made an impression even on the old grisly veteran like the Apostle Paul. Paul was aware of Timothy's deep and sincere faith. But Paul knew that humanly speaking, Timothy's faith was deeply rooted in the faith of his mother and in the faith of his grandmother. It was a kind of family faith passed from one generation to the other. Now we know that salvation is all of God. We know that it's the Holy Spirit who causes us to be born again. God creates in us new life, makes us new creatures. It's God's work. Well, Gary was talking about some this morning in Sunday school. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He begins it. He completes it. But God, in His sovereign wisdom, uses human means to accomplish His eternal purpose. And one of the things He uses is the influence of our families. And it's clear He used the influence of Timothy's mother and grandmother and bring him to faith again look at verse 5 I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I'm sure that it is in you as well he's talking there about Timothy's faith isn't he I am mindful of the sincere faith within you But then he says, that faith, your faith, was first where? It was in your grandmother and your mother. And I'm sure he says, that faith, that faith, their faith, is in you as well. Do not underestimate you, parents, young parents here this morning, all of you parents this morning, don't underestimate the spiritual influence you have in the lives of your children. And as one who's been down that road, you don't get a second chance. There isn't a redo. Boy, wouldn't I redo it differently in some respects. God will use your influence spiritually in the lives of your children. Third, Paul mentions the church. Now I take this more by inference than the others, but I believe it's here. The first influence is friends. The second influence is family. The third influence is the church. But in verse uh, 6 and 7, Paul is talking about Timothy's gifts, his spiritual gifts. And the spiritual gifts we have and use are all in the context of our life in the church. Notice that Paul tells Timothy uh, in verse uh, 6 that uh, this gift of God was bestowed upon him through the laying on of his hands. We think that refers to Timothy's ordination and uh, that his gift was bestowed upon him in that way. We still lay hands on people in the church who we perceive to have special gifts for special ministries, elders and deacons in particular. We don't bestow gifts on them, but we recognize those gifts and set them apart for use in the church and to use those gifts for the glory of God. There is some sense, I think, in the book of Acts where perhaps at times gifts were bestowed through the ministry of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. 
That's the terminology that Paul uses here. But here the focus is on what Timothy was to do with that gift. And notice in verse 5, or verse 6, he was to kindle it. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you. To kindle, of course, has to do with the fire. If you don't tend to a fire, if you leave it alone, what's going to happen? It's going to go out. You've got to work in a fire. You've got you to kindle it. You've got to keep it going. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy to do with his spiritual gifts. You kindle the gift of God that is in you. And the way we kindle our gifts is by using them. You have spiritual gifts that you aren't using, folks. They are going to diminish. They're going to atrophy. The brightness of their usefulness in the church is going to fade away. You've got to kindle the gift of God that is within you. And you do that by using those gifts faithfully in the church. It's in the context of the church that we identify our gifts, that we test our gifts, and that we use our gifts. And the church ought to provide a safe enough environment for you to be able to test a gift, to try a gift, and to see if you have that gift. You know, I teach young people. I don't get the opportunity often, but when I teach young people here, children in our church, uh, I, got, I got three rules when we start the class. And always, some of these young people can tell me what the three rules are. One is, we don't laugh at each other. We don't make fun of each other. And we help each other. Help each other. Somebody can't find a book in the Bible, we don't laugh at them because we help them find that, that book in the Bible. And that's the way it is in terms of our spiritual gifts. We, we ought to provide a safe enough environment here. Somebody says, you know, I think maybe God has gifted me to do this, and we ought to let them try it with the full confidence and assurance that if it doesn't work out, guess what? It is okay. At least you try. And to provide enough security and love in the body of Christ, it's okay to try it and realize, you know, that maybe that's not it after all. Paul says to Timothy, kindle the gift of God within you. And it's in the church we ought to kindle those gifts. Now, this is not complicated stuff, isn't it? You know, I preached a sermon a few weeks ago from the end of 1 Timothy on the simple gospel. By the way, that's the, that's the, that's, that's the sermon I chose to preach to Presbyterian the other week, kind of spur of the moment, you know, that I was doing. I, I just preached on the simple gospel. The gospel's not complicated. This isn't complicated, folks. There are certain spiritual influence God uses in all of our lives to mold us, to shape us, to make him what he wants us to be. He uses our friends. He uses our family. And he uses the church. But this morning, I, I want you to think not just of being on the receiving end of those influences. I want you to think about being the influence yourself. Identifying specific people within the church and the body of Christ in whose lives you can make a difference. People who are your friends here that you can encourage by expressing appreciation for. 
telling them that you're praying for them. By showing affection for them. People within the body here that you can assist as parents deal with their children. And you parents dealing with your children faithfully and pointing to Christ and a whole, as a whole body of believers here in the church encouraging each other to use our spiritual gifts that God has given. Let's all be thankful for the many different spiritual influences that God has used to make each of us what we are today. And again, as I started, we can all identify people, circumstances, situations, churches, God has used to influence us. Let's all think of ways that we can continue to influence each other for good for the gospel and pointing each other to Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we are encouraged this morning by the Apostle Paul and his affection for this young pastor, Timothy, and the way he expressed it, the way he influenced his life. And I pray that all of us would Look for ways that we can be a spiritual influence in the lives of others here at North Point. We ask it all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.